0: This is the Holiday Eighth Ward Living Histories Podcast, where we record remarkable stories, life events, testimonies, and jokes from the lives of members of the Holiday Eighth Ward in Holiday, Utah. As members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we hope these life experiences will unify our word and encourage everyone listening to let Jesus Christ in your life. Well, I'm at the dinner table with uh, Zach and Darby, uh, Bainan, Bainan, Bainan. <laughs> I, I read it. I shouldn't have read it. Just say it. Bainan. Really just say it. Right. And uh, this is our inaugural uh, eighth ward life histories uh, podcast mm-hmm. episode. And you two are the lucky ones. But we're going to start with Zach first because uh, he needs to be tortured first and yes. uh, make all the mistakes. And yes. Then. Uh, Darby will, her her episode will be impeccable. Oh, it'll be far better than mine. Right, right. So, uh, just give us the brief superficial stuff. How long have you been in the ward? Okay. Uh, what do you do for work?
1: Uh, anything, you know, superficial we need to know about you before we dive into your soul? Oh, boy. Um, okay, we have been in the ward. We moved in September of 2011. So, we've been in the ward for seven and a half years.
0: Yeah. And what do you do for work?
1: Live here on Alvaro Drive. Got the best neighbors around. Um, for work, I am in commercial real estate investment and development. So I've been doing that pretty much all my life. And it's pretty good. It's got its its fun parts about it, and it's not so fun parts about it. Mm-hmm. But I guess it puts bread on the table for yep. the time being. Nice. And
0: where, where were you raised?
1: So I was raised um, not f- just north of here. So I was just raised north of 45th South and just above 27th East. So...
0: I think everybody in the ward has lived in this area all their life, But I did
1: go to Skyline High School as opposed to Olympus High School. And is that the rival to Olympus, would you say? That was the rival to Olympus back in the day, and so... Nice. So, yeah, so now we're in Olympus territory, and I had to do a little bit of a conversion there.
0: What was the dynamic of your family uh, growing up? Pretty traditional Latter-day Saint family?
1: Yeah, yeah, pretty traditional Latter-day Saint family. Nothing... Yeah, nothing too... Too abnormal. Yeah. About our group.
0: Are you the oldest of, youngest of, or
1: I am what you the fit? second oldest. I've got an older sister mm-hmm. who's two years older than me. A younger brother who's about three years younger, and then uh, the youngest sister who is five. She's about five years younger than I am. Mm-hmm. So we're all pretty, pretty, pretty close in age, and mm-hmm. we have a pretty good relationship with the with the siblings. Nice, it's fun,
0: and. Uh, If you're together with your siblings, I mean, what are the main uh, memories or themes that come up about your childhood, about growing up together?
1: With my siblings, we all got along pretty well. Um, I don't don't know. I don't know, like, any particular stories. Mm -hmm. Like, I can think of a handful of funny little stories about my siblings. But we grew up just kind of... Good friends we didn't fight all that much um, you know my little sister she was she was she was a firecracker, and so she would she would like to tease me and my younger brother mm-hmm. a little bit because we teased her so much, but she fought back, so she was she she <laughs> she gave she gave us a run for our money every once in a while um, but other than that yeah we we were pretty. Pretty normal good. family. Didn't have a whole lot of crazy stuff going on. Mm-hmm. We're all into a lot of different things. And my sister, my older sister, was kind of the your classic, not classic, but she she was the smart one of the family, and so she got all the good grades and she was in student council in high school at Olympus and yeah, all that all that kind of good stuff. So and,
0: she's the smart one. What would your siblings say? You're the blank one. What um, would they say about you? Uh, I'm the dumb one.
1: <laughs> the dumb one. <laughs> well, hi. <laughs> I, yeah. I, you didn't I, get good grades. I, I got I got okay grades. I did uh-huh. fine in school. I did enough to to get to get through my high school experience. But I I enjoyed the social interaction and hanging out and and having good friends and had a good group of friends and and so um but play you know played at Skyline back in the day. You had to play football. So uh-huh. Football. It was a, a big football. school. I, it was yeah. a big football school back then. Um, not as much anymore. That's kind of shifted now to Olympus. Um, and, and out West in the Valley and then, uh, played rugby, uh, in the springtime. So that was a lot of fun.
0: So athletics was something that was big in your, yeah, your yeah we were an,
1: we were a pretty athletic family. And so everybody played their sports. My brother mm-hmm. did the same thing. He was football and baseball and, mm-hmm. and, uh, did some of those. My little sister was a really good soccer player, volleyball player. And then, uh, we all grew up skiing. So was there, I mean, were you a competitive family? I would imagine. Not really competitive against each other. I don't think. I don't think we still are competitive against each other. I think we're, we just, we like to hang with each other. We like uh-huh. to have a good time and, and travel together as a family and go grab dinner as a family and, uh-huh. you know, go to different events and stuff as, as a family. And so and, that's, and, that's fun.
0: And when you were on the football field, did you feel, I mean, were you determined to win? I mean, were you like cutthroat type of player or?
1: Uh, I, I was pretty. Darby says no. No, <laughs> I, I was, I, I was more competitive back then athletically than I am now now I don't really care about that stuff' uh-huh, so right like, right whatever yeah you know and you can't play football after pretty much after high school anywhere and you know most people don't play college ball or anything and yeah. so so then you have to find new hobbies and so then I got in I got in personally into a lot of different other hobbies and like what uh, so got into more of the outdoor hobbies so I always skied hmm. um, big big skiing family my grandpa was the first paid ski patroller at Alta. And then he ski patrolled at Park City for 25 years, and so we grew up skiing at Park City and and skiing with siblings as well as um, other cousins and stuff. And and so I continued to ski, you know, uh, do some backcountry touring, um, mountain biking, got into climbing, hiking, camping, kind of kind of a lot of those outdoor hobbies and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And so so I enjoy enjoy doing those. Yeah.
0: Uh, during uh, your teenage years, how would you, how would you describe your faith development?
1: Um, during my teenage years, it was um, probably as a lot of people would say, you rely kind of on what you've grown up with, and that's what you know, and that's what you do, and you follow. And but it, it's fun. You can think back, and and there were a handful of times where you have those good testimony building experiences that increase your faith. You know, just these little things that you know the Lord gives us as we're growing up to to kind of prick our hearts a little bit. And so you you have a few of those when you're growing
0: up. Does one in Um, particular come to mind or are they just the, um, the testimony meeting on youth conference or
1: yeah, you you get those where you feel the spirit on the youth conference testimony meetings. And, um, yeah, there, there, there are some probably more towards as I was preparing to go on a mission, you know, I had, I I think there were some good experiences that I had there that were pretty faith promoting. Hmm. Um, that look what you did
0: yeah i'm, I'm in i'm that in. sometimes they're hard
1: to you know sometimes they're hard to tell but they're they're good ones that you keep with you and um so, so i want you to, to,
0: to remove the fact that the ward may be listening and, and think more about that your grandchildren in Grand- 50 years okay. are listening it's yeah. important for them to hear this story so so yeah. what what is it i mean what comes to mind
1: um you know, so I, this one that I'm thinking of, I just recently received um, the Melchizedek priesthood. So I was getting ready to go on my mission and just recently received the Melchizedek priesthood and, and um, so trying to figure out how that all, what that means, you know, at, at that point it, it was going through the protocol, going through kind of the standard things, but it also allowed me to. To do some things that I wasn't able to do as an Aaronic priesthood holder, and that one of those was um, being able to give blessings and participate in blessings, and so I got to give some blessings, give a blessing and participate in some blessings that were that were significant and felt the Spirit strongly. Um, we had a, a lesson today about miracles and things that happen and and you know, modern day miracles as opposed to miracles that Christ had when he was back roaming the earth. And, um, you know, they're just little small things where the, you know, the faith of my dad when he got injured um, to, To, to ask me for a blessing and kinda of put that faith in me that I have that ability to to do what Christ would do if he were here. Mm-hmm. Um it was a neat experience and it was I was super nervous giving the blessing and it wasn't something I was comfortable with and didn't know what to say and
0: And this was a scenario where he got injured, so
1: Yeah, he uh, threw his back out oh, really okay. bad, so he was stuck in bed. And oh, wow. so he asked me to he asked me to give him a blessing and and you
0: are a, a 17, 18 year old kid yeah, at this so point, I was, I guess, yeah, just I newly ordained,
1: newly ordained, very newly ordained, and and eighteen at the time. I I was young for my grade. I didn't turn eighteen until after I graduated um, from high school, and so I had to wait the whole year until I went on my mission. And so, um, so I had uh, it'd probably been several months. I think it was springtime, and he was out doing yard work, and threw his back out, so he was laid up in bed. He couldn't even couldn't move, and so I asked if I'd give him a blessing, and. So just really nervous as you you go and you start. You go through the formality of it and didn't know what to say. Just very nervous. And then I haven't thought about this for a while. (laughs) Um, But there was a very distinct moment when the spirit took over. can't talk when i'm crying so You're i have fine. to stop um there was a very distinct moment when the spirit took over the blessing um got from me and you know just should a, a, a calm that came over me my body stopped shaking and and i was able to say things that maybe i would have said maybe i wouldn't have but but it was a very clear moment that somebody else was yeah. directing that that blessing, and it's a and it's a pretty insignificant thing. My dad's back would have gotten better over time, sure. You know, if he would have hung in bed and and you know done done whatever. But his faith and and trusting that I could I could give a blessing with the priesthood that I held was was a good experience, and and he did. He, you know, the next day he. Felt almost all the way better. Well, wow. enough to go golfing. He said so. Um, so that was probably the the real reason why he he wanted that blessing. Cause he didn't want to miss out on a golf. He had tournament. a tee time. He had to get he had a tee time. He had to get to. <laughs> but uh, so it was it was yeah. it was a neat experience. Yeah. Um, one that one that helped me to kind of say okay, there's there's a, a, a mm-hmm. noticeable significant power and authority yeah. that comes with the priesthood that
0: you just got yeah it's interesting how the lord kind of creates those scenarios that like you said on paper he would have been fine he wasn't like yeah. on his deathbed or you right. brought him back or anything like that yeah. but uh but he allowed uh, a scenario like that to connect with you and mm-hmm. to, to um show you the measure of that power and authority that yeah. that had been recently given to you so yeah that's cool so thanks a lot yeah put you down <laughs> well I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna keep pushing you here <laughs> yeah. so but that that's a powerful story and and i know uh Someday your posterity will appreciate that you took the time to tell that. So
1: Yeah, I don't know if I've even talked to my dad about that story since nice. back then. So. Well cool.
0: Well obviously it was impactful if you remember it to steal. It was. So that's great. So soon after that, what, a year later or so you're going on a mission?
1: Yeah, so no, it's probably probably a few months, four or five months later.
0: Um And where'd you go?
1: I went to Pennsylvania Harrisburg. Harrisburg, nice. Pennsylvania mission. And uh it was one of those where you act really excited on the outside and you're kind of disappointed on the inside. I,
0: I went to Sacramento. I, I know the feeling. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was like you mark on your in your papers how how willing are you to learn a language and how willing are you to go for. And I was like, oh, very willing, very willing. Wanted to go have an adventure. And uh-huh. Then I get in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, speaking English, and I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> I guess he's got something else in mind again. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but then it obviously turns out to be. Yeah. That's where you, meet, 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 meet you meet connected with your and, wife. Yeah. And uh, had some, you know, met some amazing people and amazing families and had a great experience. Yeah. And it becomes the best mission in the world, although that mission has since been absolved into Philadelphia and Pittsburgh. So, yeah. Maybe we didn't do that good of a job. <laughs> but, <laughs> nice. But good, good, very good two years.
0: What's your go to mission story?
1: Um,. My go-to mission story is probably with one of the last families that we taught. It was a part member family, and it was a mother and a daughter, and the mother had been separated from her husband. They, she and the, the husband and the wife had been members. He had fallen away and become pretty anti um, to the church's teachings and wasn't going to church and, and lived in a different state, and then the mother... Uh, had kind of fallen away as well, and so she had a, a daughter that hadn't been baptized. And so we started, we contacted them and started meeting, and started talking with them, and teaching, teaching her. And it was one of those, it was one of those kind of kind of interesting experience where you can see how the adversary works in um, very particular ways to try to thwart the mm-hmm. the movement and work of God. And, and so it was, it was one that was, you know, it's, it wasn't an easy conversion process, and it took a lot of time. I was in Harrisburg for probably, I think I was there for eight months, and we met them one of our first nights there, and it wasn't until almost the end of my mission that she was finally able to get baptized, and the the husband's and father's heart was softened enough after several asks to be baptized that he gave his consent for her to be baptized, and, and, and finally went through that process, and in, in doing that, the mother... You know, came back to church and you know started being being involved in the gospel again, and it was it was a neat experience. It took a lot of a lot of faith and and prayers and fasting to to feel like we could do everything we could to help them accomplish what they wanted to accomplish. And hmm. and so it's just it was one of those that you do you see how you see how hard the adversary works, and in a lot of different little ways that he works to try to try to derail things here and there. Yeah.
0: When you came home for your mission, uh, how were you different?
1: Um, you know, just, uh, you learned so much over two years of being away from home and then being out there doing spiritual things. And so, you know, I think, I think in terms of where my testimony and maturity was towards the spiritual aspect of life was totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I understood the meaning of why we're here a little bit better. Um, so it gave me a little, little better direction and purpose in my life going forward and how I needed to live the rest of my life. And, and so, you know, I, I learned the, the, the scriptures really well. That was one of the benefits of an English-speaking mission is you get a You don't have to worry yeah. about learning a language <laughs> even though I wanted to. Um, probably so I could swear at people in in a foreign language back here, but um, we'll not tell the bishop that. Um, but I got to dig into the scriptures. I got to really study the scriptures, and so I, I felt like I learned the scriptures very well. I haven't kept up with that rigorous missionary study life, and so some of that's probably fallen fallen off. But but it was good. You learn you learn the gospel really well, and and developed a a, a much greater. And deeper relationship with, you know, my heavenly father and yeah. our savior that I felt like wasn't, wasn't even hardly there before I left. Hmm. so. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh,
0: shifting to sort of your professional life, uh, after your mission, you said you've been doing real estate investing and developing for a while. Yeah. So when did you know that you were going to head that way?
1: Uh, pretty much immediately. Cause it's, it's what my dad okay. was kind of in. And so, when I came back, I went and did you know did the rest of my schooling, my undergrad up at the u and um and then, while I was going to school there, you know, we got married very quickly after my mission seven months after I got home from my mission and and so I immediately had to start earning money and yeah. being like a real person <laughs> you had to be real, an adult also. real adult that had to do adult things <laughs> and I couldn't live at home anymore and have your parents feed you and all that kind of stuff and had to pay rent and utility bills. And so I was working part time at uh, my father's company uh, at the time. And so that's kind of what led me into that, that career path. And I liked it enough that I felt it was worthwhile spending time doing. And so,
0: so has your uh, father been like a mentor through your professional life? Would you say?
1: Yeah, for sure. And, and, you know, he had partners in this business and I, you know, I, I, we tried kind of hard to avoid the nepotism thing and, or, but you know, his business. And I didn't want to be one who felt like I was being treated, you know, because my, my dad was, you know, a partner in the company or whatever. And so we, I didn't, I didn't really get to work too closely with him uh, most of my time there. Cause I was always working with one of his partners and in, in one of the other companies. And, and so, um, so I, I worked from, I graduated in 2004 and, worked until about 2009 and then we went back to school um did a did a graduate degree and and then uh came back and i kind of kind of did a little bit yeah no, i i I went off and worked for a a different company you know and and did did our own thing and then just a couple years ago my dad and i came back together now we work primarily he and i together in, nice. in a company so so i would imagine
0: i mean that relationship that father-son relationship has deepened uh, or maybe it's strained more i don't know how would you describe <laughs> no, it over time it,
1: it, <laughs> i think it's deepened for sure and um i think we we think similarly enough but we also think differently enough where we can complement each other on certain things and he's got far more experience than i do and so having his experience in the work life is is very valuable and you know, and I I bring my certain tools to the table, and I think putting them together, we we can we can do some pretty pretty good things and make a living. Yeah. To make a living so we can go do the fun things.
0: Yeah. What are those fun things? Uh, just the skiing just, and yeah, the outdoors? just
1: the, the hobbies, the activities. You know, traveling with the family, letting the family experience and do things that uh, you know benefit their life and give them memories and mm-hmm. all all that all that good stuff. Nice. So, and yeah, I, 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 I guess I work to live and work to play. <laughs> uh-huh. Nice.
0: And I would imagine with now you have uh, you know growing children that, that those activities even become more enriched, right? Oh, yeah. Because you, you get to share it with them. What What are some of those? Any specific experience or, um, you know, activity that you've really found meaningful, um, with your with your children?
1: Yeah, you know, and they all do, you know, different things. I've tried to involve myself in their lives as much as they want me to be involved in their lives and as much as I, I can be involved in their lives. But, um, you know, my kids all enjoy skiing, so it's fun to get up on the mountain and ski together. And I talk about, you know, chairlift time is, I think, probably the most valuable, yeah. beneficial time hmm. any father can have with a child. Because you're off your phones, you're, you don't have anybody else there, you're, just, you're on a chairlift, you have to sit next to each other. You pretty much have to talk. Yeah. So, so chairlift <laughs> time is, is the best time. Nice. Um, you know, just traveling, experiencing new things. We, life goes way fast. When we were young, people tell us, oh, life's going to go fast and hold on because here it goes. And we're like, oh, whatever. You know, we can't hardly get through the summer. And then you get to be parents and you watch your kids grow up and the kids grow so fast. And, and, you know, that, you know we think about that we actively talk about that and so we try to try to be there to do what we can and 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 do fun things but we you know in this last fall we made a a pretty uh impulsive, impulsive that's a good yeah <laughs> impulsive decision to take him over to paris wow and that's not like you impulse no. is not uh, I, He's pretty i'm pretty impulsive yeah, yeah. like i i can be talked into about anything uh, <laughs> so <laughs> But, like a uh, podcast in like your home. a podcast uh, the inaugural podcast that's right. yeah uh-huh so <laughs> nice um so yeah which was a really cool experience i had never been over to europe um uh, darby has but when she was younger our kids never have and so allowing them to experience a whole different culture a whole different yeah. lifestyle a whole different language and then we got to also go experience the good food and the breads and stuff yeah. but go go see some significant you know areas of of not only French history, but how that ties into, you know, our American history and mm-hmm. and some of the key players that, you know, some of the key founding fathers that we hear about and we see in the Hamilton play and stuff, you kind of kind of go see some of those things. And so it was fun to be able to take them and let them experience history where a lot of the world grew yeah. up and, and it's only a week period of time, but it was, you know, it's great. Yeah. It's good to spend time.
0: Um, what would you want your, uh, you know, 50 years from now, hundred years from now is, your children have children, what would you want them to know has been the hardest thing for you as a father? Oh and you can think about it for a minute almost
1: kids no <laughs> you love your kids and then kids are the worst no. kids are the best but uh, it's it's fun to be I don't know it's it's, it's fun to kids are influential very influential and they our kids are at a period of time where they're very influential and maybe starting to become less so with their parents and more so with. Their friends and and so it's just I, I think the hardest thing is just knowing if you've kind of met the expectations that you set for yourself and what you think you know family life should be and and doing those things to you know help teach and raise your children the way that they can handle themselves you know when they when they get on their own they become adults and parents and and then. Making sure that they have opportunities to to fill the spirit and Heavenly Father's love, to know that he is there, because it's an easy thing in these days to discount everything off to to science or or to non-religion at all or to non-belief at all. and And those experiences are they're happening all the time, but they're hard to recognize when you're young. And so helping your kids recognize. When those are happening, mm-hmm. that's that's a tough thing, but a super important thing. Yeah.
0: So how do you do that?
1: Well, that's why it's hard. Okay. I don't
0: know. <laughs>
1: well, has there been a moment
0: where you think, okay, I need to, you know, on the chairlift or wherever, I need to underscore yeah. this um, this event.
1: You know, and every kid's different, so you have to learn how your kids are receptive to to different spiritual things like that, and you have to gear up for it, you know, and they have to gear up for it. And maybe they don't know they have to kind of gear up for it cuz you got to put your mentality in a little different state to to be susceptible to, you know, spiritual conversation and it can happen at any time, but it's just picking and choosing. I don't know, it's just picking and choosing those times. Yeah. that are right and we hopefully let the spirit direct us a little bit yeah. on when those times are right. And I'm sure we've missed out on a boatload of them. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think we've been able to capture a couple of them here and there.
0: Nice. So as we wrap up here, uh, in a hundred years from now, is there, uh, anything specific that you'd want your posterity to hear or know, uh, about you or your family or or life or any final messages you shouted into the the time machine?
1: (laughs) Don't believe all the crazy stories you heard about me, even though half of them are probably true. (laughs) (laughs) Um, no, uh, I guess the well, I guess the only thing I I don't know, I guess the only thing I would say is I find joy from always trying to take a step forward and working towards something, whether that's you know a career, um, a marriage, you know uh, raising kids or progressing your testimony in the gospel. I always feel that if you can take just the tiniest of steps forward, there's there's going to be a big impact on that at some future point in your life and 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 working hard and always trying to go the direction you feel is right is typically going to lead to successes, both spiritually, monetarily, whatever it is. But just keep looking forward.